I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a majority of our F-22s and 35s in Alaska. Do we have a, a defense system up there that will protect them? With regards to, to cruise missiles, uh, hypersonic cruise missiles that are actually uh, currently uh, coastal defense cruise missiles uh, in Russia, I have significant concerns about my ability to defend those assets. We're, we're probably, I think, five years behind uh, in terms of where the, the Chinese are. They don't mind failing in tests. We have this idea that we've got to get it exactly right and every test has to be a success. They have a, a series of failures, each of, one of which they've learned something. That's really interesting right there. So that was some uh, part of a hearing uh, right there in which uh, a congressperson was asking, hey, you know, our best planes where they're uh, sitting there in Alaska, can we protect those? From-? No, we can't. And then the fact that we're five years behind on the hypersonic missile technology because we're scared to test and fail, as opposed to the way Russia and China would look at it, for instance. So specific questions and kind of uh, cultural questions for Mike Lyons, military analyst. Mike served with various military organizations for the United States uh, in Iraq, Europe, uh, throughout his career. He's a respected analyst for a number of networks and websites. Mike Lyons, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Good to be back. So uh, what's your reaction to those clips? Are you up on this topic? Yeah, so so hypersonics as a whole, you, you, one can argue that they're, they're really overhyped. Uh, you know, they're clearly the, the threat of the future. You know, missiles flying at Mach five, they're they're indefensible. That's kind of the issue, and there's nothing that we have that can shoot them down. And you know, they've allowed Russia and China to declare some kind of superiority over the U.S. And I think there's you know, culturally in the Pentagon they go, well, kind of, so what? I mean, there's a billion dollar Lockheed contract to develop hypersonic weapons, but but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't you know, it just still doesn't stop the nuclear deterrence that we have against both of those countries. Um, China develops hypersonic missiles for one reason and one reason only, and that's to sink a U.S. carrier, right? So. Hypersonic missiles, it's a math equation, right? You take Chinese satellites, you combine them with Chinese over-the-horizon radar, 
and you layer a hypersonic missile into there, and, and that's it's going to be a bad day for the U.S. Navy because there's nothing that the Navy can do to shoot that missile down and, and defend that carrier, which is the whole purpose of the U.S. Navy is to defend our carriers. So that's why they did it. That's why they want those hypersonic missiles. They're more tactical. They don't have any real strategic um, value, and it, it's a reach for them to go from that, that Russia-Alaska thing is, okay, that's a little bit, you know, that's, you know, you're attacking our homeland at this point. I think every, the equation changes if Russia decides to attack us with hypersonic missiles into into Alaska, into those F-35s. That's, ob- you know, now that you said, stated out loud, that's obviously a decent point. I mean, if we're backing down from Putin from uh-huh. long-range missiles, that might reach Russia because we are afraid he would use his nukes. Well, then, hell yeah, uh, obliterating our air force would be yeah game on. So yeah, that makes right. sense. Yeah, it's, so so it, it changes things now. The missiles technology, in, in some ways, it's uh, fifty years old. It's not uh, in, you know, and what what they're trying to do is cr- make them faster, make them better to communicate. The problem we have in the testing is that they go so fast that we lose communication with them, and then you don't want a missile just you know kind of flying out there knowing not where it's going. Um, which is why you have to layer in that again the satellite technology, the radar, and, and hit certain points in order to make to make them accurate. But but uh, we had anti-ballistic missile treaties back in the 70s and 80s, and they were somewhat uh, good. Um, but now that we've just, they're, they're all gone now. They've all been they've all been uh, you know taken away. Salt one, salt two, all those things. We destroyed our Pershings. Those were considered to be the kind of missile technology. But um, I, I'd like to, for us, the countries, to kind of sit down and talk about it all because they are they do threaten. They threaten more Europe and. Asia and they do the United States. What about the more general comment that was made about our capacity for innovation? What did you think of that? Yeah, I think that that's part of the industrial military complex. You know, that, that we do things in silos. And historically, culturally, what we end up doing is we get bloodied initially if something happens, which is why, shifting back to the Chinese, the Chinese want to bloody us, you know, and think that they were not going to respond to it. But that whole expression about what happened during Pearl Harbor, the Japanese have awoken a sleeping giant. That, that's really what the U.S. really is all about, because what ends up happening is, let's say something does happen, we we suffer some great defeat like that in, on the technology or so. Everyone stops what they're doing, they clear their desks, and next thing you know, we've got some technology out in 90 days that's going to be better than everybody else's. So I, I think that um, in, in a lot of ways, the, the pace of that, the, 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 you know, the way the equipment gets developed and the technology gets developed in the U.S., sure, they don't want to fail, that's all part of it, but they all just want to get the next contract. And when you're talking about billions of dollars of contracts, then you know, Lockheed doesn't want to get fired, so that they bring in somebody else to do that same work. Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, total change of topic. Um, say uh, Iran J-Lo announces... and Ben Affleck getting oh, married. That's our... Boy, not unless you have a shotgun, you're prepared to use it. Um, uh, Mike, what if Iran announces we have a functioning nuclear weapon, uh, we've got it on top of a missile, we are now a nuclear power? What happens yeah. next? Yeah, that's an Israeli issue. Frankly, that's proxy war number two that will take place in the world um, because the Israelis are not going to put up with that. I mean, you go back to 81 when they took out the um, Iraqi capability at Osirik. They took out the Syrian capability. Uh, if the Iranians are dumb enough to, to come online with that and, and think they're going to parade around with that and think they're going to get cover from Russia or China or something, um, it's not going to work. So um, we would, you know, I, 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 we saw the president say something that we can't, you know, I, I don't know what, what he kind of really actually said. We're not going to go to war with Iran over it, but the Israelis will. And um, it, they'll mobilize everything. They'll do all they can. They'll, they, they, you'll see first probably the cyber war first. You, you won't necessarily see things kinetic, let's say. Because if they strike, it's, it's got to be something that they know that they're going to get, and they're going to they're going to you know take out that government. Let's say it's going to be a real, real regional conflict, but um, it's an Israeli problem. 
So I heard it suggested that that would immediately cause an arms race in the Middle East and the Saudis would demand nukes and the UAE, et cetera, et cetera. But you seem to think it wouldn't get that far. Oh, no, no. I think it already has. I think I think in some ways, well, I think the Israelis would try to take care of the problem first. And but but if it if it's not done right away, oh, yeah, there's no question. I do think that, that that's going to happen. I think the Saudis are going to want nukes. And, and you, know, you can argue that if everyone has nukes, no one will attack you. The deterrence that would take place there. But um, but but the Iranians have said that they would use that that capability on the offense, and I think that's why they're you know they've already kind of said it quite part out loud, so that they're that people would not, you know, the, the Israeli government wouldn't put up with that. But I do think that it's going to eventually cause that, which is why you know again we we we, we you know we listen to Joe Biden talk on the on the, champ, on the on the campaign circuit about Saudi Arabia and the whole thing. We have to be aligned with Saudi Arabia for so many different reasons, and and they are the center of gravity within that part of the world. If we if we expect to have influence in that part of the world. And um, and so, uh, you know, there's no reason for them to have nuclear power. They have more oil than they know what to do with, and they're pumping it to the rest of the world. So if we're going to stop the proliferation of nuclear weapons here, um, the Iranians have already made their bed. They said they weren't going to do it, and they ended up doing it, and I think you're going to see the Israelis take care of it. So we can't have you on the line today and not bring up Russia and Ukraine. What's the latest there? You know, this is turning more into going to be a four-year war. I'm reading these reports that are coming out of uh, of uh, Russia, and you know, they're just talking about you know, the entire Russian focus on taking these small little towns in in Donetsk and Luhansk and these smaller areas there, and, and it just, I'm just again mind-boggling to me that they've just still not put together a, a big, broad-sweeping campaign to at least take that whole southern region, you know, to take Odessa to take and, and to mobilize troops there. They're obviously having problems getting troops to the front, <clears throat> so they're going further deeper into Russia, right, into those federations that are way, way to the east, you know, where they, they, you, you wouldn't, they, they don't look Russian, they don't talk Russian, they don't, they're not necessarily Russian. They're looking for those volunteers to come, to come west. Um, so they're running out of men, and um, you know the war of attrition is on. You saw Zelensky fire a couple of people as, as head of uh, the spying and the like. Um, they just still don't have enough offense to people and material to go on the offense and to get that land back. If Russia was kind of smart, they would stop right now and declare victory and and start building a wall, and they would start holding that ground, and they could keep it for the next twenty or thirty years until the next generation goes. But um, but the way that you look at the war planning goes, they're they're like one one city at a time going five miles at a time and it just again mind-boggling for a country like russia that has tremendous capability to be doing that and on the ukrainian side there was some pretty interesting analysis i think it was in the new york times was talking about how the more advanced accurate artillery systems are now reaching the front lines and the ukrainians are making some hay with it but the problem is it's a mismatch it's a mishmash rather of mismatched systems from various countries and so ukraine is trying to train up a few people on this system a few people right. on that system that's no w- way to run a war Right. But artillery is not fire and forget. Artillery has fire direction centers. There's three components to it. There's the guns itself. There's somebody forward observing, looking at the target. And then there's somebody computing the data for the guns. And to kind of bring those all together, now the, the Ukraine military was using drone technology, using a lot of satellite technology, using um, pinpoints on maps, let's say. Not at all it was real time. Um, but the, the, again, the fire direction component to it and getting to the guns, it, it's, it's not at that simple. It, it is going to be effective when it gets time on target and then it survives because every artillery round has a return address. And so the Russians will look to fire artillery back on wherever that artillery came from. So they have to move, shoot, communicate, we call it, and, and have to get out of that, uh, have to get out of there to make sure that they survive. Mike Lyons, military analyst. Mike, you so ought to have a show on uh, CNN, like a Sunday show. 
You got a good yeah, agent? We'll make yeah, some calls. No, I, for I don't have them. No, I, I do some in the oh. afternoon. I like, uh, go up against uh, some of those uh, those shows. I go up that Fox. I, I go up against the five, for example. We should. We'll do a yeah. show. Oh. Three, yeah. three, three versus two. Three v two. Right. <laughs> that five format is great. Five people talking is a great format. So we'll I can be there Monday. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Mike Lyons always great. Thanks, Mike. Great guy. Thanks for having me. Speaking of international affairs, going to be 100. Seriously, I would watch his show every week. Oh, yeah. I yep. would never yep. miss it. 